talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. The whole week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. Hi there, welcome to Pick and Drive Live. We have an exciting episode for you this evening. We're doing a collaboration with uh, Green and Gold Rugby and the Drop Kickoff. So I'm Mitch from Pick and Drive. Thank you for joining us. Um, I'm joined by Nick and Nathan, both from the Drop Kickoff. How are you both this evening, gentlemen? I'm excellent, mate. It is an absolute pleasure to be here and also to do this uh, this simulcast. I guess that's what the the, the folks call it these days. Um, with you guys, we have been, you know, I've been long time admirer of the show. I know Nathan and I both have been, and uh, it's super awesome to be back once again. And talk about what has been a pretty freaking awesome World Cup so far, Nathan. I know you're over there right now, and it's like ten o'clock. Uh, what's it been like? No, it's good. Back in Auckland after a couple of weeks in Whangarei, like you can really start to get that build. It's just kind of getting into the, you know, you're getting to finals, you start seeing more flags and stuff around the place, you know, a bit more hype. So, like, it it starts to feel real and it's, you know, it's really good to see. So, I'm excited to see how this next couple of weeks transpires. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. It's Yeah, it's so cool. And I think let's we should start by, like, talking about our thoughts on the teams that are standing. Mitch, I want to, I know you and Ando have been, you know, watching this tournament religiously and it's been so awesome to see all the episodes you guys have been doing have you been enjoying it as much as we have oh yeah it's been a great it's a great world cup uh i think everyone in sort of the women's game and and in world rugby was quite disappointed last year when the tournament was sort of cancelled or put on hold and a lot of questions about whether it would get up uh finally and now that we are here and it is being played out i think in some ways it's actually been better that it was pushed back a little bit and there was that anticipation so people were waiting for it um stan has been brilliant with their coverage of the world cup as well and they've made it so accessible to watch you can watch every game live you can also watch the minis you can watch the highlights they've also got their own uh little midweek show as well similar to kind of what we're doing so um yeah it's been a really good exposure for the women's game and you know the coverage is up there with the men's world cup it feels like so as someone who's sitting in Australia and not like Nathan being a, being able to be over there in New Zealand, which must be awesome in of itself, um, we really do feel like we're getting access to everything that this World Cup is and um, and has been. Yeah, absolutely. It's I was, been. I was going to say just just looking from a sort of outside looking in, like it's just seeing every everyone get behind it. Like you start seeing build more press. You know, you know, looking out. You know, it, it looks like this game's also going to be on Channel 9 as well, like this quarterfinal coming up. So you just start to build that really nice momentum, just hanging into the right stages. And, you know, it's it's awesome to see. And hopefully this can be this can be kind of the start of just a, a new era for the Wallaroos and sort of women's rugby to just build for the future. Sorry to interrupt, Nick, but... <laughs> no, it's good. I, look, you, it's I love the hype. I love the vibe. And you, you touch on a great point. I mean considering how many test matches the Wallaroos have played up until this point, this is test match number 11 this year. And I'm like, please more, bring this more on. I have absolutely loved every single game that they've played. Should we talk, should we talk Wallaroos first or should we talk about just the quarterfinals in front of us? I think, I reckon it's probably good to see about, like talk about the, what the, the quarterfinals because there's, sure. some, there's so many good 
matches coming up. I will up. also just say briefly, we are live. So if you are watching along at home and you've got any questions, do send them in. You might see it scrolling along the bottom there, but do send your questions in and we'll uh, we'll throw to them as we go. So get involved. This is an interactive experience as well. Mm, absolutely. Appreciate it. We always love we always love hearing questions. I'm just looking ahead uh, for the matches that are coming up this weekend. First of all, I think France versus Italy, which will, uh, which will kick off uh, the matches, which will be... Uh, uh, in Northland's events centre, New Zealand, of course, will be playing Wales. Um, then, of course, and England will then be be going up against the mighty Wallaroos. And then finishing off, uh, Canada will be up against um, the United States. Um, I want to throw this question to you first, Mitch, because I think this is a really interesting particular topic. I think a lot of people were predicting that it was going to that you know England were going into this series as as favorites but there have been a lot of teams that have really stood up in this in this series like the the French have been amazing they've been such a pleasure to watch New Zealand of course you know they feel like they've regained a lot of vigor that many felt were probably lost when they lost that two match series over in in England and Canada of course you know they've been a, a really top performing team for a while do you think we're at a situation now where it's actually someone could actually potentially beat the Red Roses. What do you think? Oh, I mean, sitting here as an Australian fan and as a Wallaroos fan uh, first, I kind of have that hat on of optimism that they are, they can do it this weekend. And I guess we'll um, we'll chat about that a little bit later. But it, it, in some ways, England have been the benchmark for the last few years in terms of the women's game. And coming into this World Cup, they were expected to sort of quite comfortably get into the final. But I don't think we've seen them play their best uh, game in this tournament yet. And some of the games in the pools, they didn't look as sharp and as clinical as we kind of have come to expect from them. So in some ways, it sort of makes me hope that the Wallaroos can cause a bit of an upset. We saw that first test against New Zealand. They really started strongly, pushed pushed the Black Ferns right uh, very far in that first half. And if it wasn't for those two cards late or in the midway through that second half they could have potentially caused a massive upset in the pool um so yeah i i think uh england probably will uh they still are the sort of the benchmark and we're most likely looking at england and new zealand final but at this stage i feel like there is one or two upset can happen this week and next week nathan who do you think is the is the potential to to most likely spring an upset in your opinion? Ooh, that's a tough one. I think Italy are very underrated. I think they, they've shown over their three games they're pretty competitive. Um, it's tough to say. The, the problem with the quarterfinals, just the way it's how it's worked out, is you have two out of four of those matches. I've, you know, we've already seen the group stages and they were pretty convincing results. So it's, you know, you always think USA on the day can trouble Canada. But I think, you know, Canadians have been probably one of the dark horses of this tournament. They just seem to be kind of, cruising under the radar, just getting the job done. But So I think they might be able to get it. I think Italy, thinking about it, I think Italy's probably that best shout of, a, of an upset. I mean, France lost their, their number one half. Um, um, was it Laura Sanders? I mm-hmm. might pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, I think it's terrible. Again, she, <laughs> abs- absolute weapon. But, like, again, she's ruled out for the tournament, so that's a big yeah. loss. Um, so, you know... That's probably that's probably I reckon it's give me the game to watch, you know. And first up, you know, who knows what can happen. So I think I think it's gonna be a really interesting quarterfinals just to see how it all plays out. The one question I do find really interesting in this, is the the thing that's really stood out is just how much 
it's really set piece that is determining uh, the results on all of these games. I've, w- watching so many of the matches, it's it's really surprised me how much uh, the backs are actually all quite well aligned, despite you know, and and the real difference comes down to just the actual set piece. Um, and if you basically get the dominance of set piece is has been the determining factor in which teams in which teams win. Um, I watching the game last week uh, where where Canada I think uh, was it was did they beat the it was the US again wasn't it it was yeah That's, it's like it's the second yeah. game in a row playing just, the same matchup <laughs> just for revenge I am such a fan of uh, Emily Tatutsi I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that last name right like it's so amazing to me that she is the top scorer of this tournament like just because of how much of a gun she is off the you know at set piece and also off the uh, benefiting of the, the fantastic work of uh of the of the of the Canadian you know forward pack um what players have, have stood out to you Mitch I know you've have you have there been players that you have just gone I just want to see this person so much more yeah there's there's been so many I mean we spoke last week on our preview with um with Squidge around some of the mm-hmm. players that were really sort of putting their hand up and um I'm trying to sort of rack my brain and see if I can remember the pronunciations of some of them but uh yeah, it's sort of it's jumping out of my mind at the moment. Is there anyone that's really stood out for you, Nathan? I'm gonna say whilst 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 we're on Canada, I mean, Sophie Sof- Degudi is just as number eight is an absolute weapon. Like she is so good, and there's so many good back rowers in this in this competition. You know, I think you know for a while, Rose perspective, I think Grace Hamilton's been their best performer. Um, even South Africa, I know they've been knocked out, but Azera Heli. I think, again, butchered pronunciation, but she's an absolute gun. And if they, so the type of player you can really build, like if, if they want to take, you know, that program seriously, she can be that anchor point and just lead them on for the next couple of years. You combine her with, you know, someone like a Sylvia Brunt from the Black Ferns, you know, an 18, 19 year old who's just really burst onto the scene. Um, like there's so many, dip, so many of those players. And yeah. Tosi, as you mentioned as well from Canada, like there's so many of those players that really sort of shone. It's been it's been so good to watch. Yeah, I Porter Woodman as well. Oh my god, uh, she is like such a weapon uh, for the Black Ferns, and just I mean, people are obviously like you know she was she was already popular before that before the tournament started, but she is just really shone uh, at home, and it's clear that. That from the interactions that people have been having there, that she's a real fan favorite, and it's reflected in how much fun um, she's clearly having uh, playing out there and, and really getting out there. I love the I love the, on on the subject of the podcast with with Squidge that you that you guys did last week, which was absolutely awesome. I love like we follow Squidge religiously. Just the amount of work <laughs> that he does and and the yeah. amount of work that his team does is absolutely amazing. I know oh, that yeah. he talked. I know that he talked a lot about some of the, you know, some of the surprise results and some of the surprise, you know, standouts for a lot of uh, for a lot of the tournament. Um, were there particular, you know, teams that you now look at, seeing that they've either made the quarterfinals or missed out, Mitch? And do you think, hey, this is actually, it's highlighting that just the, how much the, of the growth, for example, that's the impact that Six Nations tournament, that revamp Six Nations tournament, has had on a lot of those Northern Hemisphere teams. Yeah, well, I think just going to show the. The teams that are have made it through to the quarterfinals. So we've got France, Italy, um, Wales, and England. Like that's a pretty hefty combination from the Six Nations. So just having that competition year in year out for the women to play in has has shown that they as as teams and as 
um, as nations, they've really had that prep that some of the other nations haven't had. And that's probably one of the things that this World Cup has sort of shown. When we look at teams like South Africa, like Fiji, um, South Africa, for example, haven't been playing a lot of test matches lately in the women's game. So they quite looked quite underdone when they first came into this competition. And they played some good rugby, but they didn't really trouble too many sides, unfortunately. Fiji played some good rugby as well. And, um, you know, we've seen through Fijiana's inclusion in Super W this year that that's, that cohesion is sort of pushed through into this Fiji team. But um, if they had had more time together and they had had that little bit more uh, experience as as professional rugby players, then they they could be putting in performances like England and New Zealand are currently putting in. 100%. And when you consider, you know, next year you get, the, you get a WXV tournament in, which will, you know, in, for those t- type of nations that might not be getting the regular Six Nations competitions, like that's just going to only help bridge the gap and just help those teams. Like, as you said, your Fijis and South Africans who, you know, showed patches of what they can do. Even a team like Japan looks good yeah. against the USA in that first half. Like, with more regular comps like that coming in, you're all of a sudden, I'm really excited to say like how that's just going to lift the competition for the next couple of years. So it's going to be great to say. Yeah, absolutely. And, and fingers crossed, we'll also see more, you know, more test matches. And I think that hope that Pacific four series will continue on as well for the Wallaroos. Cause it's clear that they really, uh, they are benefiting hugely from, uh, from, not just the fact of incorporating players like Shani Williams into the team, uh, which has really led to increased competitiveness in the side, um, you know, rising tide lifting all ships, but it's also just seeing the, the players themselves, um, just the, the increased competitiveness country to country just makes it so much more impactful. Um, the big, it's it has been a big surprise to me, and I think maybe now is a good time to talk about uh, the Wallaroos um, and this upcoming match against England. Uh, because you know it's it's of all the draws, uh, I think it, this for this coming weekend, it's probably the hardest match of the that you could possibly have, considering it's you're coming up against the fully professional side uh, in England. Um, and how many players have we got, Nathan, with professional contracts uh, here? Two, which is the both the seven. It's such a it's, it's such an unlucky run of like run of luck they've caught with this draw. Yeah. Like, yeah. Real, realistically, the only reason that you're playing England as a, as a three seed is because they drew France like a year ago, and it's all of a sudden like it was a one and three shot that were I think they were getting France. Or France was going to end up as a floater that was going to be a tough team. England draw them, and all of a sudden that ends up being an absolute like barnstorm of a game. But they don't get a they don't get a bonus point. Everyone else cruises through. And meanwhile, you know, we go two from three and all of a sudden as, as a six seed, it's like, all right, now you're going to go play the number one team who's won 28 straight and hasn't lost since 2019. Like, where's, <laughs> like come on, where's the luck in that? Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, it is so frustrating, but it's been so positive to see uh, the grit the girls have shown, particularly in that Scotland game and that Wales game. I was really worried about that Wales game because I thought, that probably Wales might have had our number in terms of just the physicality uh, in the set piece, which was kind of proving the, the determining factor. But girls did well. They really managed their discipline well. And additionally, I think they kind of shut the Welsh out of the game quite a bit, um, uh, which was which was even despite some fantastic defence, which was really, really good. I feel like we should talk about this this Welsh game and use it as a, as a precursor to, to preview, uh, you know, this upcoming match. Mitch, who are the standouts for you in this game? 
in the Welsh game. Yeah. Um, well, we can't go past Grace Hamilton, uh, women of the match, absolute incredible performance. I think 28 uh, setups or uh, hit-ups in that game and an incredible amount of tackles that she got through. She's just been getting better and better every single game in this tournament. And um, she's sort of starting to show the Wallaroos coaches why she needs to be included in the in the 15 and in, particularly in the starting team, which she hasn't always been picked earlier in the year. So she's been fantastic. I think uh, just the, the loose forward trio, like uh, Emily Chancellor as well, she has been an absolute rock this tournament. She doesn't do as many flashy things and as many big hit-ups as um grace hamilton does but she's always in there stealing balls at the breakdown um she's always in instrumental in the mall pushes as well and driving the team around so um yeah can't sort of go past all three of them and shiny will and uh, not shiny um uh the captain um her name's just escaped my um shannon, shannon parry yeah that's it shannon parry i, I always c- confuse her and shiny william for some reason i think it must be the headgears <laughs> Um, but yeah, Shannon Parry as well in the back at number seven, all three of them have had a massive, massive influence on the go forward for the Wallaroos this, this year in this tournament and being able to go through the middle and, um, get their hands back on the ball at crucial times. So all three of them are working really, really well together. Yeah. Nathan, you've been obviously, uh, been in camp, you know, being close to, to the management team and everything like that. I know that the, the, the girls were absolutely working their guts out. Um, in terms of you know preparation uh, for all of these matches, who's been standing out to, to you in terms of you know key uh, key people who are kind of not only just uh, performing on the field but also you know uh, really br- uh, bringing the physicality and the determination to win off the field. I think Mitch nailed it with the, the back row trio, tra- tra- just really leading the way. Plus people coming off the bench like like your Piper Ducks, you know Grace Kemp now all of a sudden stepping up as. You know, someone who hasn't had much experience as a lock, but has come, has come in and really adds a dynamic element to it. I mean, when you look at that, and you look at some of the, especially some of the sessions they go through, they call it like their Test Match Tuesday or, you know, World Cup Wednesday this week. But like the stories that you like talking to players afterwards, it's absolutely brutal, some of the stuff they go through. Like they're just absolutely smacking into each other, trying to like, so, like such a competition for positions. They just leave it all out there. And, you know, those that back row trailer leads the way, you know. I think someone like Liz Pardew's gone under the radar. I think the yep. one thing that's been really good has been the scrummaging from all front rows that have come on. You know, you get Addy Talakai's, you Eva Kapani's, or Bridie O'Gorman, whoever starts at tight head there, has been incredibly solid. Um, and your backs as well, Laurie Kramer filling in at fullback. She's been a great addition. Um, Bianca Tarita, like absolute gun who hasn't had a chance, hasn't had a chance to really kind of announce herself in the seven stage all of a sudden it's just made a name for herself in the past couple of months like there's so many of those players that really stepped up and it's just starting to make a name for himself and just building and just some nice foundations that you can you know if someone like you know shiny williams goes back to sevens or you know you might be a couple of them heading over i think i've already announced them might be heading over to england you know they've shown that there's enough there's enough in that setup and there's enough depth there's enough kind of players who are putting their hands up, you can really build, build something special here. You know, if you, if you can find a way to get a win over England, like that would be just the perfect, perfect, you know, flag in the ground announcement stage. Be like, this is our time. This is what we can do. So like, it's a, uh, it's, it's too many to just single out one player, but it's, it's, it's just a really exciting time. 
It's really interesting that you mentioned the impact that the Sevens girls have had on the, the team. Um, Shani Williams, for one of them, she's really uh, just made the back line look a little bit more cohesive uh, around her. Just the fact that she has the experience from both her, her background in Sevens and Fifteens. But she always seems to know when to do the right thing. She knows when the right time is to tuck the ball under her arm and, and hit it up or when it is to offload and, and feed the ball out to her outside backs. And... Um, the the winger as well to what uh, Ber, to, uh i'm screwing up names today but um biana or baby just just yeah, go baby, baby. Uh, on the wing as well like as you said nathan she has had an absolute outstanding uh tournament so far and uh i think the preparation that she's had coming through the sevens program has allowed her to step into the 15s team uh and really shine and and again know when the right time is to, to sort of cut in field or to to put her ears back and go for the, the the corner. So both of those players have had a really positive influence on the uh, just professionalism as well of the whole team around them. So it will be interesting to see moving forward how the combinations go, how many players do swap back and forth. It would have been exciting to see some of the other Sevens girls maybe make a transition. I mean, we've, we've highlighted on our pod a number of times how great it would be to see Charlotte Kaslik having a crack for the Wallaroos. But obviously understand that they're the world champs at the moment. They've got a, I mean, their world series kicks off in a few weeks as well. So they've, they've got to take their time off when it comes. And um, it will be interesting as well to see in the next sort of few weeks after this tournament's over for the Wallaroos, which of those sevens girls do go back to sevens and which ones stay in fifteens. It does actually beg an interesting question. Like I, I did find it particularly interesting that, you know, that they took this approach of bringing sevens players in. And for me, after seeing the performance of this team, of the team until, you know, this, the 15 side is completely fully professionalized. This is an absolute no brainer um, to, you know, uh, to help lift the, the entire um, squad up to have a lot of these professional players come in. Cause you would learn so much from from having someone like Shani Williams on your inside or outside helping you out. And I love that you guys have, are really giving the back three um, a lot of praise because for me, though, the, uh, Kramer especially has been an absolute standout for this squad, um, considering how many fast uh, women there are in the game and how many fantastic players there are. I think she has really shown herself. Um, she has flourished um, throughout this tournament. And not just with her kicking game, but just her, um, you know, her approach in broken play, um, her just how aggressive she is when she's running. Um, I, I couldn't remember who, against, I think it was against Scotland where she bumped off a player. Unbelievable. It was one of the best uh, running moves I've seen in a long time. And I just went, who, whoa, okay, I'm, I'm going to pay a lot more attention to you now. Holy <laughs> moly. Um, absolutely unbelievable. But I think yeah, that's a I, great point that you've um you've highlighted there, Nick, the the kicking game for the women's. And and that's one thing I guess that I've learned uh from watching the Wallaroos in the last few years, but really this tournament has highlighted that a, a strong kicker in the women's game can have a massive influence on your success, more so than the men's game. It feels like in the men's game you could have four or five options, but in the women's game it really only comes down to one or two. And Laurie Kramer, in her place kicking, like her kicks for goal, has been really, really good this tournament, um, which is good because we saw earlier in the season leading in, there was a few games where early on she was a little bit off with her radar and that ended up costing the Wallaroos, unfortunately. So she's worked on that. She's had a great tournament off the tee so far. But even in in play kicking, 
is something that if you've got a, a playmaker who can or a, a player in your back line that can uh, put foot to ball and get the ball into spaces that you might not necessarily be able to with a pass, some of the other back lines and some of the other teams don't have that capability. And so we saw in this game, in I think it was the second or third minute of the game, Laurie Kramer did a or even Bella McKenzie, I think it was, mm. did a nice little kick over to Ivania Wong, found her in space. Um, it, the the Welsh actually shut it down quite quickly, but it was really promising to see them take that space and to attack in that way. They didn't do it as much as we probably would have liked later in the game, um, but it is good to see that they do have that trick up their sleeve and that that is one element that they can go to. And it'll be interesting to see if that's an element that we use against England this week. But it's those lessons, and that's, and that's the thing for me. Like, you know, you know interviewing the coaches, like they, they were from... From day one, talking about Six Nations opponent, they were talking about the fact that they will always defend with 14 in the line. And it's kind of, how do you go about kind of breaching that? And that intent, that intent straight up was awesome to see. Like, sure, it didn't lead to a try, but as soon as you put that in their head straight away that, hey, we will, you know, chip in behind. We will kind of mix it up. You, all of a sudden, you force them to drop back and you, you kind of put that indecision of, do we rush up? Do we stay back? Do we, you know, have a wingers back? And all of a sudden, it can just open up other players to develop. So, you know, as you said, probably went away. Probably went away from that the last five ten minutes. But like the way the way Bell McKenzie was able to just kind of just put the ball in behind, and you know, even if it didn't work against, I don't think it worked as well as they would have liked against Scotland. But it still just kind of gets that indecision in people's heads that you need to kind of create defences. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I will say one last thing before we move on to to talking about this this upcoming match. I think it's. A real testament to not not just the girls and their work ethic, but also just the the management and the coaching staff. Because um, I think Jay Trigoning had had like six or seven test matches cancelled for in twenty two or last year and in, in twenty twenty one. And it's easy to forget that the girls hadn't played a game this year. And like the last time they played was twenty nineteen. So for them to turn around and and you know really stand up during this tournament, I think has been. Uh, a real testament to both the work of the of the management staff and the coaches, um, but as well as as uh, as the girls themselves, it's really really positive. And I'll also know- just say on that point before we move on as well that it's been really I think in some ways initially Ando and I were talking about it early on that the Wallaroos had uh, it was a hard ask for them. They played the Black Ferns four or five times this year. Like yeah. that's their <laughs> yeah. most um, consistent opposition since they've been playing. They've played. Uh, a test against Fiji, and then they played a, t- a, guess, a test against Japan, and they did get a few others against uh, Canada and, and America, but mostly they were playing the wall, uh, the Black Ferns. So coming into this tournament, we were a little bit like, that's a big ask. Their first test was against the Black Ferns, but I actually think that that's improved their performance, and that's given them confidence against the teams that they've seen in the last few weeks. Wales and Scotland didn't necessarily play the same style of football that the Black Ferns play, and we weren't sure coming into this tournament how they would prepare for that, not playing those European nations, how they'd be able to adapt on the fly. But the Wallaroos have shown that they can do that. And so that gives us a big bit of confidence leading into this this weekend's quarterfinal against England that uh, they've been able to be dominant against both Scotland and England. Uh, Scotland and Wales, sorry. In this, that Wales game, the Wallaroos had so many opportunities and they could have scored a lot more points if they had just chosen not to offload or pass or just take it under the arm um so 
it, it will be interesting to see how they go this weekend. And I think it will be a, a tighter game than a lot of people sort of initially think. Yeah, I agree. I think so. And it's, it's, I think now is a good time. Let's, let's talk about, uh, let's preview this match because, you know, even though it's been fantastic to see, you know, how great the girls have progressed um, throughout this entire tournament, um, there's no denying that you're coming up against the tournament favourites here and this England squad are outstanding. I think Squidge described them, I think, and, I, and you can pull me up on this, Mitch, that they are the best rugby team, not of, of any gender, any anything. like Statistically, they are the best rugby team in the world right yep. now um, in terms yep. of everything they're doing, their execution, everything. Um it is interesting to know, and, I, and this is a question I want to throw out to both of you. I'll throw to you first, uh, Nathan, if it's okay, because I do think there are places where the Wallaroos can really make an impact and potentially cause an upset. Um, where can where can the Wallaroos win this game? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thought because, I mean, you know, there's a reason they've been undefeated for the past 28 games. Like, they're so sold around the, around the sort of park. I think the key is that set-pace battle. I, when you kind of look at their strengths, you look at their kind of different phases of attack. I, I think one the scrum is probably one of the, you don't want to say weaker, but like it's when you compare it to everything else, it's probably not one of the strongest assets. So you can, you know, as you as you say with those stats as well, like we got solid. We should have had at least four or five penalties from that Wales game. There was that one sequence when you know we. M. Robinson came on and did an absolute number on, on her opposite number, opposite player. Yeah. Should have got at least two or three penalties, and it just kept getting reset and reset. It just it's again, coming out not, the not, same tunnel. <laughs> coming out the same tunnel when it's at, at our you know number eight's feet. That's it's a new kicked one. Straight through, yeah. <laughs> that's a new one, but yeah, like that's where you can get that ascendancy. And we, you know, forecast is saying it's going to be wet conditions as well, so it's going to be a real grind if you can kind of. Establish that dominance early, you know, as Nick alluded to, if you have similar hit-ups to one like Kramer put down against Scotland, really kind of set the tempo and bring him into that real dogfight, you know, shutting down the, the rolling mall is also going to be big as well. Like, if you can kind of get those first two under control in terms of your mall defence, you know, something like, I think that's why they brought in Michaela Leonard last week. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me to see her in this week as well. Like, Shutting, if you can get those two areas sorted, all of a sudden you can really build that kind of that momentum. And, you know, you start winning those forward battles. You start maybe just getting the ball over the game line. You play that territory battle. And all of a sudden, you know, you can really kind of, you can build that pressure because the attitude has been the exact same as the Black Ferns game. No one, no one thinks Wallaroos is going to get it done. So why not, why not embrace that? Why not put, put the English under pressure and see how they react? You know, they're the ones, they're the World Cup favourites. They're supposed to cruise through. Say what happens if you put on the pressure for 20 minutes. Say, say, say a, how they yeah. react. That's a really like, interesting point. The, the the pressure that the England are facing, like they're the favourites for this tournament. They can't afford, this is knockout rugby now. So they don't get another shot if they don't win this week. Uh, they've won 28 test matches in a row. They're the current Utrecht Shield holders. They are, uh, they're coming in with a lot of expectation. And we saw... In the first opening game of this World Cup uh, between Australia and New Zealand, that New Zealand had all the people in the stands watching them that they're not used to. And under that pressure, they were making errors. They didn't look like the Black Ferns that we've come to expect over the last few years. So 
there's no reason why the Wallaroos can't get up in England's face and really make this a physical battle. And if they do that, I think that they can and they can get inside England's heads and they can start to rattle them, then I think that they have a real shot of being able to push it all the way through. Um, another element that you mentioned there, Nathan, was around the the, the mall defence. That was one area when we were speaking to Squidge last week in the, the Welsh test that we were worried that in the Scotland test, the Wallaroos had gave a lot of gave away a lot of penalties and cards through collapsed malls, and they didn't really know how, or they were they weren't effectively diffusing that mall. But in that Welsh test, they did a lot better, uh, and that they didn't allow Wales to just get that ascendancy there. And so I was worried coming into that test that Wales would just kick to the corner and maul all day long, but they didn't. And the Wallaroos did really well in shutting that down. So if they can continue that and they can bring that sort of defense and that mindset into this, yeah, this quarterfinal against England, um, then that unlocks the backs and that gives us a little bit more opportunity to, to roam ball in hand. Sorry, just, just one nut on that. Just an, an interesting point that's kind of gone under the radar a little is, you know, we were worried about Scotland and kind of the reaction from that. But, you know, speaking with Jay afterwards, he was very, very you know, very calm and very clear about kind of what had gone on. And apparently, you know, had raised concerns about how Scotland were kind of, were putting it together in terms of them all and the sort of legality around it, let's just say that. <laughs> Turns out he was absolutely he was absolutely right, and there was like certain issues that they had raised. They'd gone to the ref and say, "Look out for this." This it, it happened again in the Scotland game, and then kind of when they went afterwards and said, "Hey, what's going on here?" They basically admitted when they got away with the exact same thing. So basically, that Wales game for me was just that real confidence booster. That hey, no, this team can actually it can actually defuse more, and it can actually you know you know sink it sink it when it matters and do it in a legal way that's not leading towards you know a similar situation to, you know, that Scotland game where you have, you know, a penalty try and Talakai off the field. So I think that was just a real shot in the arm for him. So it's going to be interesting Definitely. to see how that goes in another level against England. Yep. Absolutely. I, I have no doubt, particularly off the back of that, I love that you, you mentioned that, that the opening game against the Black Ferns, that 30 minutes was probably the most enjoyable 30 minutes of rugby I have watched all year easily. Just just how amazing it was in terms of every single thing that the Wallaroos were executing. Um, and the element of surprise is, is I think, the key thing here. And the, the real challenge is, um, and it proved to be the case in that match, and it pro- it'll probably prove to be the case in this one, is um, we know that the girls can step up. We know that they can be competitive. It's just, can you do it for 80 minutes? That is the real challenge. Um, with this side, because when you have a side that is really as well drilled as this England team, um, that is the key thing that really separates them from the chasing pack right now. Um, it is clear, and I, I love that you guys have mentioned, and I love that you mentioned at the top of the of the pod, or at the top of the of this of this Mitch that that we still think England haven't played their best game yet, um, and maybe it is because of pressure, and maybe it is because that you know. I also think that a lot of teams have asked a lot of questions of them and that mm. maybe even cracks are potentially starting to appear. Um, that French game was really interesting uh, to yeah. me uh, to, to watch. And I think that might've probably, it might be up there as one of the, the matches of the, uh, of the, of the tournament, probably bar the Fiji South Africa result as well, which it was <laughs> amazing. Um, yeah. I want to ask about key matchups as well. Let's in terms of, the looking putting the squads side by side or players side by side. Um, I know you two have been really talking about um, the loose 
uh, kind of that loose forwards, which I, I think they really stack up alongside each other. I think Packer is an unbelievable player um, for for England, um, you know, in that position, and she'll be going up against Parry if she's. Uh, I think at the time of us recording, the squads haven't been named yet, but you'd assume, considering her performance against South Africa, that they'll they'll be uh, they'll be selected. Um, Who's uh, where do you reckon in terms of actual one-on-one matchups? Uh, are you most excited for Mitch? Are there any that you're particularly uh, excited for? In terms of like one-on-one matchups, there's not really anyone that kind of uh, I'm I'm I don't I don't always sort of look at the the matchups so much and just kind of think about how certain players will go and what certain players can do. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how our back three goes this week. It's interesting, as Nathan said before, that it's expected to be wet. And I, I didn't know that, uh, obviously, not based in New Zealand like Nathan is. That's the the beauty of having someone over there on the ground. So it will be interesting to see how the Wallaroos approach the test match with the those conditions. Like one of the things that Ando has said on our podcast for the last few weeks is he thinks that England have struggled this tournament to adapt to an unstructured style of play similar to what New Zealand bring when they throw the ball around and they counterattack and they um, they keep the ball alive and they offload and they they keep the the pace of the game moving over England seem to struggle in that element they don't they much prefer a slower um, set pace style game you know do the do the things that you do make your tackle slow it down do what you need to do to score the points that sort of thing so it'll be interesting to see with the conditions whether the Wallaroos do sort of try and um, chance their hand a bit and keep that tempo going and trying to sort of get those back three, particularly the uh, unleashed and um, find them in some space or whether they do sort of resort to a territory style game, uh, kick it out of their half where they can and try and just trudge their way up the field and, and hope that England's, the the, the weather conditions uh, play a factor there and that both sides sort of struggle at the set piece and that kind of thing. So it will be really interesting to see how how both teams approach this. Yeah, absolutely. It's. I think not only that. Just it's. I think the last couple of games have really proven that the Wallaroo, the Wallaroos have kind of gotten used to just grinding games out. So maybe yeah. even the conditions may even play into that, into the into that factor there. I also think add to that point, and maybe this is another example of of that we think England haven't found their their best performance yet. Is I also think that they they we do actually have a measure on them, or you know maybe equal to them in terms of tactical kicking. Um, going back to your point of how much uh, the the tactical kicking game really is is re- is really coming through uh, in this tournament. Um, I'm really really excited to see how how Kramer goes this weekend, um, especially going up against the likes of of kickers like Scarrett and McKenna. Um, for for England, the who you know have really uh, shown themselves to be fantastic players in that space, and and really I think have uh, had a lot of work on their hands against that uh, in that French game when uh, when the when the uh, France's tactical kicking proved up to the task to shut down any challenges they had. Nathan, who what are your uh, what are your thoughts right now in terms of uh, you know key matchups? I was going to ask Nathan. Actually, you're the man on the yeah. ground over there. You probably have some insights into what team will be named when it is named. How do <laughs> from the team that looks like it's going to be named? What is the style of play that you think we can expect from the Wallaroos? I mean, I think it's like realistically, you know, when you've won back to back games, you're probably not going to be making that many changes. Like, you know, at, at yeah. this time, like I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what the team is, but again, you wouldn't expect like wholesale changes. So, yeah. I mean, 
the, the key, the key to me, you know, I think that lock battle is going to be interesting. I think we've already touched on it. You know, Zoe Allcroft and Abby Ward from England are world class. Like they're just Allcroft, you know, deserved Player of the Year last year. She's incredible. So it's going to be on Michaela Leonard and Grace Kemp to really kind of match them and just try and shut them down. Maybe you know Kemp with a sort of added dynamic running and kind of explosiveness can maybe you know use that to her advantage. But we'll wait and see. I think also, you know, two little kind of positional battles we're looking at, you know, that playmaker battle, you know, the, the likes of a Zoe Harrison, who is a is a solid enough kicker on a day to really kind of pin teams down against, you know, the, the young half in Bella McKenzie, who, you know, has shown shown her talent throughout this tournament. You know, the ball she threw to um, Beyonce Raider for that Scotland first try was a thing of beauty. Like, if you can get, if you can get her, and she's such a confidence player, like, it's not so... Something it's often off the ball, you can tell, you know, she'll start spitting the ball on, on her finger. She'll start, you know, you can really sense it in the body language. So that's going to be kind of a key watch for me to see how she kind of handles the stage. And another one just quickly is that is that center battle. You know, you're in touch on Emily Scarrett, world class. An absolute freak of a player. And you put Helena Rowland inside her, another absolute gun player. So it's going to be a big task for Shani and um, Georgia Fredericks to really shut them down. But, you know, if you, when you look at how good Frederick started the year, you know, particularly that pack four and O'Reilly Cup, she's absolute quality on a day. And she needs yeah. to, she really needs to be up to the task to try and you know, shut down Scarrett. And, you know, if Shani, if we can get, you know, she's been coming off 60 minutes, 65 minutes. If we can get, try and get, get her going for full 80 minutes, really like get her wind up, wound up for this. Like she can absolutely take over a game. And, you know, we saw her influence against the Black Ferns and just kind of, setting that tempo and you know when you look at kind of positional battles and where where this game could be kind of one loss she can be a real kind of trendsetter for us if she can just get over that game line and just keep that ball going and keep that momentum started early so i guess that's your that's my three keys kind of battles to look out for love it absolutely love it and it is it it bodes well for for you know for, for the contest this weekend let's talk let's talk predictions let's talk final final predictions for the weekend because you know, there's obviously there's four fantastic quarterfinal games here. Thank you, uh, thank you for putting up again. France are going to be up against Italy. New Zealand will be up against Wales in the first uh, first two games, and then then later matches. England will be playing Australia, and Canada will play the USA. Mitch, on your predictions, who do you think is going to be winning? Who is going to be going through to, through to the semifinals, and by how much? Oh, we're going by how much, are we? Okay, that's uh, that's the <laughs> Put you on the spot. Um, Put you on the spot. <laughs> I'll say France will get over Italy by at least ten points. Um, I don't see that going any other way. I think the New Zealand and Wales game, like, geez, this this could be a cricket score in some ways. So I, I see New Zealand taking that one out quite comfortably by at least twenty twenty five points. Yeah, I think I think I'm, I would pretty much agree with you. I, I would be surprised if if you wouldn't be featuring seeing France or New Zealand featuring in either in in the semifinals, considering just how solid they've been both throughout the lead up to the tournament and during the tournament itself. Um, it's an absolute. Uh, I, I do think those two will be going through. Nathan, what are your thoughts on England, Australia, Canada, USA? I know we, we've talked so much about the Wallaroos' chances and you know where they can win this game, but. God, there's a re- honestly, there's a reason this England side's so good. Like they are, they have such an ability when a team throws something at them just to kind of troubleshoot and instantly come back with response. Like almost, almost like a phase later. Like they're just they're so smart around the ball. They're so 
you know, evenly matched across the park. Like, I think, I don't think it's going to be as much of a blood as is being predicted in certain kind of odds makers. But, like, I think, I think England by 15, okay, 15, 20, I reckon. I think they're still going to be too good. And then, yeah, probably a similar kind of result for Canada. Like, they, they look too good for USA last week. And I don't see that, that changing in a week. Yeah, I think so as well. It's a it's a solid predictions there. And it's going to be such a fascinating couple of games to watch um, this weekend. Poor us. Poor us. I, we have um, to watch. I didn't give my prediction for the second two. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah, to I want to give so, you. Yeah, sorry, I'll say, yes. Um, I'll say Australia by three just because the you know you have to lose a game sometime and 28 in a row is a long time. <laughs> so I'll go with Australia there. And, yeah, can't go past Canada. I mean, I'd love to see an upset if the USA could – get some revenge on Canada, but you know, they, they haven't, they have, USA haven't had a great tournament and I was expecting a lot more from them. So I don't really see Canada um, getting above them. Ando's uh, jumped in on YouTube. It looks like and history for the ages uh, is his little tagline there. So he's gone with hey, France Ando. winning by 15, <laughs> New Zealand 25, Australia two and Canada 18. So both uh, pick and drive boys sitting here waving the Australian flag quite comfortably. What do you think, Nick? How do you think this, these two are going to go? These are, are really fascinating games, um, all of them. I think of the the games most likely to see an upset, I've been really impressed with Italy this year. I've been really impressed. I think they've really um, shown up. They've played some fantastic rugby and just played smart. It's re- like there's nothing necessarily flashy about what they're doing. They're just playing really smart tactical rugby. Um, I I think uh, that's probably the one game where we're most likely to see an upset, but I do I would be still putting my money on France for that one. Um, Wales, I think, just similar to the USA in terms of the team that I was expecting a little bit more from. I thought the Welsh had looked really really positive in the Six Nations. They, you know, of course you're coming up against really strong teams there, but they did have their moments. Um, where I, where I thought you know maybe we'll see you know, them go a bit deeper into come World Cup time. New Zealand are just after those those kind of initial nerves from uh, against Australia have just looked unbelievable and they are on a rampage and look the team that uh, is gonna is looking like it's got its eye already on on semis. So I I anticipate that will also be a cricket score. Nathan, I know we, we didn't get your two cents on these two, but um, I do I am thinking that'll be the case, but. I really want to. I really want to agree with you that the, that the Wallaroos are going to win it, and I think if there's any time to do it, now is the time to do it. My heart says Wallaroos. My head <laughs> says England, and I know that's Always. not a proper react. I know that's not a proper answer <laughs> at all. <laughs> good old, old splinters sitting straight <laughs> on the fence. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, <laughs> As for the last one, I just want Canada to win. I'm loving how Canada has been playing. Um, as much as uh, you know, the US. Uh, you know, they're a really great team. I just want Canada to win more. Ando has clarified that those are the scores he said before that he wants, not that he thinks. Um, so... There's the cover. There's the cover. Yeah. 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 Didn't want to throw him under the bus too much. Uh, Tim Foster has also said uh, Wallaroos to win by three with a penalty. So uh, lots of support 100%. for the Wallaroos here, but I think Nathan I like really it. is the only realist in the room and he's probably got the, the tip. Right, unfortunately, but, I mean, but we'll be interesting I, to see how the game plays. Like, I agree. I agree with what you guys are saying. Like, why not now? Like, it's absolutely time to do it. And you know, we've talked about the fact that we don't think England's given their best game yet. Neither have the Wallaroos. Like, that's true. You look at that conversion rate. I think 
I think the 22 conversion rate, I think for the last two games have been like two from 12 and one from 11. Like, albeit the one from 11 included one referee getting in the way of, of, of a five on two overlap. <laughs> Doesn't help. But it kind of, it speaks to the fact that, you know, both teams haven't delivered their best performances. So, you know, if you get an Australia team that lifts to the occasion, that really, you know, delivers a solid, again, that 80 minute performance doesn't come yet. It could happen, but it's just, it's, it's tough to back against history. That's, that's, that's it basically. Like in, England have been so good for so long. It's just, I'd love, I'd love to say it. Absolutely. Love and can to you say it. imagine if we do, if the Wallaroos do win and kick England out of the world cup, I, I hope that we have a report on the front page of every newspaper <laughs> in Sydney saying world beaters, Wallaroos yep. are through to the semifinals. It won't happen, like, but how good would it be? But in terms of like a head-to-head upset, in terms of like what your odds are in, in terms of how like what the sort of bookmakers have got them at, like this would be the biggest upset in rugby, yeah. in Australian rugby history. There there has not been an Australian team. I think they're about thirty to one to win. Like there has been no Australian team at that at that level for most sports. So like if they get it done, like it should, absolutely should be getting they, they'll get the respect they absolutely deserve. And, you know, you're starting to see an increase in coverage as well. You know, starting to see pieces in, like, you know, more pieces in the Morning Herald, in, you know, Guardian, these type of pieces who are really picking it up and doing doing excellent stuff. You know, a win like that over England just amplifies that and just all of a sudden creates an incredible kind of atmosphere heading forward and something you can, you can just build from. But, again, it's going to be a tall task. It's absolutely going to be a tall task. So, hoping for the best, but let's see what happens. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, everyone, make sure you do tune in. 11.30 kickoff Sydney time on Sunday morning. So after getting up to watch the Wallabies play Scotland, to do uh, tune in to the Wallaroos playing England as well for a big day of rugby in uh, for Australian rugby on Sunday, 30th of October. Now let's, um, let's finish things off with a little bit of a chat around the Wallabies before we, uh, we've, we have been going for a little bit. So we do need to finish up shortly, but... Uh, we do have the first test of the Autumn Nation series uh, being played Sunday morning, 3.30 time, Sydney time. Now, uh, I imagine Nathan will have to get up to, uh, to, <laughs> to, to do his job and to, to fulfill those duties for, uh, for rugby.com.au. But Nick, are you, are you planning to get up at 3.30 and cheer home the Wallabies in this game? Um, yes, I will be. It's a, uh, it's, this one and the and uh, the the kind of there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot to like in this upcoming series and particularly Scotland. I think we're on a three match losing streak to them. I can't. I, I think the last time we beat them was a good six or seven years ago. Um, and I think if there is any place to, for the for this Wallaby side to start to exercise some demons and fully play to the potential that we know that they're capable of and start to get Ws. No better place to start than at Murrayfield, um, one of the best rugby grounds in the world, just in general, but also against uh, this this team. Gregor Townsend, I reckon, has has been an absolute shot in the arm for this Scottish side, building on all the work that Vern Cotter has done, and just to have boys come back. Your your uh, certain flanker who we may or may not know that maybe. Uh, revered throughout the world and called Michael Hooper, who's coming back. And I th- also think it's an excellent decision that he's not captain. Just let the boy play, have some fun. Um, 
I think, if, again, similar similar to the Wallaroos in England, if there is a time to to break records, are made to be broken. That's the entire point. We keep the records so they can be broken. And if there's any time for us to shake the the duck, or, uh, you know, get uh, break the duck against the Scots, I think now is a really really good time to do it because first of all, the team needs it. There's a real need to, for actual to reward what has actually been, you know, there, it has been a tough year with a lot of injuries, but there's also been a lot of growth. And I think mm. uh, the winning record right now is really not indicative of the growth that Rennie has had under this, uh, you know, with this side. Um, they really need to start this tour off well, and I think they'll be they'll be up for it. Yeah, I yeah. um, I mean, I don't know if I'm getting up at three thirty to uh, to watch <laughs> this one. Seeing that I do have to work on Sunday, so might do a, a six thirty start or something like that to to squeeze it in. But uh, th- this. I mean, out of all of the tests in this Autumn Nation series, this one has the asterisks next to it. I think this one and Wales at the end of the series because they sort of fall outside of the international window. So I know that um, there's a few players that aren't available for uh, Scotland in this game and will be interesting if, and we haven't got the teams to be announced yet. I think an, an hour's time, though, will be announced. So if we were doing this in an hour, we might have a little bit more to talk about, but we don't, unfortunately. Um, be interesting to see if Jack Dempsey makes his Scottish debut against the Wallabies. And um, it will be interesting. I, I don't know if they'll rush him in so quickly, uh, particularly for that first test, whether he does get any minutes, but it would be quite a story and it would be interesting to see how he goes. Uh, I'm looking forward to this game to kind of see what style of play Rennie does choose to go with, with this team. We have so many injuries at the moment, so many players in, so many players out. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be a big game and it, it Realistically, we don't have we don't have time to ease ourselves into this series. We need to hit the ground running, and so there are some players as well for Australia that aren't available in this game. Will Skelton's one of those, so it'll be interesting to see um, what we do in terms of selection because this game and next game, the two games, I think we play France next um, in game two of the series you would realistically want to be picking the very similar team week in, week out for this series, and hopefully no one gets injured. But with that, with Will Skelter not being available, we'll be interesting to see what he goes, which uh, way Dave Rennie does go in the second row. What are your Absolutely. thoughts around this game, Nathan? It's going to be interesting. I, I've always kind of viewed this as this is this is the flip, like flip game, you're 50-50. I mean, when I look at that five-test tour, we should be betting Italy, Wales, I know they, they dusted us up last year, but, you know, if you're still more often than not thinking that this Wallabies team has got enough quality regardless of who's out, they can get a result against against Wales. France and Ireland, they're top two for a reason. You know, if you can, you can naturally compete with them, but you're not, not going in expecting them to get absolutely, like, dominated. Or, like, or Wallabies going to dominate, I should say. So, yeah. This is going to be this is going to be an interesting game, and you know with we've kind of touched on who's out for the Wallabies, but you know Scotland are going to be without Stuart Hulk because of that yeah. exact same reason. Um, Finn and Russell wasn't selected altogether, which I thought was a big shock. So really, that's two wow, people. I had no so, idea. Yeah, so that's two big playmakers that they've relied on in the past that have ta- that have had particular success against Australia. That are all of a sudden going to be out of this squad, so it's going to be interesting to see who kind of steps up in that regard. Yeah, it's. I think we've got we, we, we've got the sort of cattle to match them. I think you've got through a lot of those guys got that experience of Test rugby last year in, in Europe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a foreign concept going over to Murrayfield and expecting you know 
a packed crowd to do, you know, and that, that whole atmosphere behind that. But I do agree that this has to be the time. Like, you're 11 months out from a World Cup. At some stage, the wins have to come. And this this has to be the game. Because, you know, you don't want to be going into, you know, you, as I said, France next week. You don't want to sort of end that tour off. You're, you're 0-2, putting un, unneeded pressure on Italy where you might say that game is, you know, trying to get people in like a Jock Campbell or a Lange Gleeson or Ben mm. Donaldson. Like, you, you don't want to all of a sudden have that risk of, well, do we, you know, way up give people experience or do we kind of just make sure we bank we bank a win like you want to be you want to be in a solid position so i think this game's arguably the most important of the tour just to kind of set that platform put last year behind us and be like all right let's see how far we can go and let's start building that confidence up uh steve lenthal says on facebook the townsend and russell relationship is almost like quade cooper and checker (laughs) (laughs) very much is I love it. I think what is really interesting about this test, uh, well, this series in, in in the Autumn Nation series for the Wallabies is that uh, we've, uh, Dave Rennie, through injury, has named a lot of debutants. And the, I mean, we're less than a year out now from a World Cup. So realistically, there's some guys that are on this tour who won't feature in the World Cup squad. And so it'll be interesting, does Dave Rennie then use this tour as a way to test whether players like Lange Gleeson, Mark Nwanganidawasi, are quite up to the level of international footy and will feature in the World Cup next year? Um, or do you just give game time to the guys that you know will make that squad and who are there? Andrew Kellaway, potentially Tom Banks, players like that. So uh, it will be interesting to see how the selections go for this series. Whether And, and it is, it's also coming down to, for Dave Rennie, he just needs to get wins now. Like... You can and you need to be looking towards the World Cup, but you also need to be doing everything you can to get wins on the board now because there's already people talking around his win percentage as coach and trying to get those up. Um, and we know the injury list that we have, the players that are unavailable. So we need to start figuring out how we get wins and how we get them now. Yeah, I have one point on that, and I, that you that you make, and it's and and I think it's it's played such a factor on the inconsistency that the Wallabies have had this year. But you make a great for for all of that, for all of the injuries, a lot of those second string players and third string players are getting game time. Mm. And I think if uh, and I think it might be a case that while we are suffering the pain of it now. Um, it could be a case of short-term pain for long-term gain because you'll have potentially have a whole bunch of those players who who will get selected for the World Cup, and if they do, then they have been they have had much more game time from this year that they'll be much better off for uh, when they play uh, against you know coming you know come next year in a quarterfinal or a semifinal, and that could make all the difference. And we could be sitting here twelve months from now, you know, staring down the barrel of a semifinal. Fingers crossed saying, hey, you know, all of that, the struggles that Rennie had, it it all panned out in the end because yeah. of the fact that he just gave boys the chance to have a go. But not only that, just stuck with them a bit and trusted them a little bit. Yes, of course, through injury, but um, it's, uh, you know, but it was a case that blooding those guys made a huge difference. Um, whether that will pan out or not, of course, we don't know. But uh, I think it is a case that the optimist in me th- thinks, considering how consistently there have been some weeks where they've really showed up and those young guys have really played well. There is enough there to suggest that the young guns can also show up and really put together good performances consistently come World Cup time. 
And this is one thing that I've thought about the Wallabies this year is that they've shown through that uh, consistent inconsistency, it's always <laughs> the revenge tests, the bounce back tests that seem to be the ones that we can't quite nail. So we we put in a good performance week one and week two, we don't seem to be able to show up and match it when the other team sort of knows to what, what to expect from us. So in some ways, I'm kind of hopeful that this spring tour will show that we only have to show up and beat the team once. We don't have to worry about playing them week two. And if we can just keep going week in, week in, week in, week in, new team, new focus, new team, new focus, and just get those wins on the board, um, that's all we have to do for the World Cup too. There won't be two teams, theoretically, that we need to to face in a World Cup all the way through. I mean, statistically, there there might be a team that we come up against. I think there is a chance we might come up against Wales. I don't know how all the I mean, sort of put it, things Put it this way. If, you play, if you're playing a team twice, like we've gotten far. Like you're not, yeah. you're not, you're not playing a team. If we're playing a team twice, we're, we're looking at a semi-final final. And I think we could sit here and be like, if that's happening, we're more than comfortable that's fine. in that position. We'll take it. We'll that's take it. That's fine by me. I'll take that any <laughs> day of the week. Yeah. Now I do, I am conscious of the time. So we have been going over for an hour. So I've got one question that's come in. We'll, we'll answer that. And then we might say our um, thoughts on the prediction for this weekend's uh, Wallabies game. And then we'll wrap things up. So Tim Foster on Facebook asks, does Michael Hooper play the full 80 minutes this week or do we only pay him for 40 or 50 minutes? Uh, what do you think, Nick? Okay, so my answer is 40 or 50. Um, I think uh, I'm, I've, I've just realised I haven't got the, the Wallaby squad here in front of me, but I know that there have been a lot of really solid loose forwards who've stood up um, in uh, in Hooper's absence. Yep. And I think we also need to think about it. it. It was a, I think it was a bit of a wake up call and also just a reflection of how much that man has been the absolute heart and soul of Wallaby squads for the last, you know, seven or eight years. Um, and we need to be prepared for a time that he's going to retire. There's going to be a point where he's going to, he is not going to be around. So I think, just let him play, let him play his own, um, you know, obviously, of course, within the strategy of, of the game itself, but let him play for 40 or 50 minutes, ease him back in to this game, and then trust that, you know, someone like your Fraser McWright or one of the other upcoming guys who Pete has Samu. really, or Pete Samu, yeah. like they have played really well. They yeah. have really stood up and it's been a, one of the most, the biggest joys of this period of time, while, um, you know, of the last couple of matches, just seeing, how strong our depth is in the loose forwards uh, positions. So I, I guess would... on that, uh, I was just going to say on that point. Then, do you start Hooper and then take take him off for Pete Samuel McRae, or do you put him on the bench and you bring him on? You start Michael Hooper. <laughs> <laughs> you start he's Michael start, Hooper. <laughs> he's starting a hundred percent as well. Like we, yeah. we can comfortably say that now. Like he's he's going to start on Sunday for Sunday morning our time. I, th- I think it's going to be one of those things. I think it's very easy for us to sit and be like, oh, I'm just giving 45 minutes, 40, 50 minutes and take him off. I'm not being that person that tells him after 50 minutes, hey, mate, can you just come off? Like, <laughs> I generally, I generally reckon it's going to get to that. Have a break. Come on. No, I reckon it's going to get to like 20 or 30 minutes in and we're going to see like Hooper back at his best. Like, he's yeah. just going to be an absolute terror and it's going to be like, nah, but let's let's keep him rolling. Let's see let how much play. we can get. And let we just, let the boys he'll play. just go back to being. <laughs> Goddamn Superman, and just I reckon he'll go. The, I reckon he'll go the full eighty. Just he's that just that much of a freak. All right, another question that's come in before we wrap things up. Um, what are the advantages and disadvantages of a Hooper Valentini Samu back row? That's from Simon on Facebook. So Nathan, what are your thoughts around that? 
uh, advantages. It's a, a very mobile pack than what you can kind of put out in terms of other combinations. Um, you know, so Valentin and Samo, Samo being those real kind of ball carriers with Hooper sort of stepping into a more conventional seven role. Uh, disadvantage, you kind of lose that line out presence. You know, over, if you look at those six, you probably go with like a Jed Holloway, who's, yep. I mean, basically basically comes in as a third lock and with, with no Matt Phillip, no Skelton, that's all of a sudden becomes a bit of a weakness. So it's, I think it's just trying to find that balance. I think one thing as well, the, a disadvantage for these two is that Hooper and Samu tend to like to sort of loiter around the wider channels as well. And I feel like that might then give more uh, workload to Valentini to have to kind of compensate for that in the midfield and sort of hit a few more rucks if both Hooper and, Val- uh, and Samu were sort of waiting in the wider channels in the sort of tram tracks waiting for that offload. And um, yeah, so interesting to see what happens there. Another follow-up uh, from Simon. History suggests that a break for Hooper results in amazing form post-Japan Hooper form, um, which is exactly what we're hoping to see this weekend. And then Steve Lenthal as well also says, advantages, <laughs> phenomenal hair on all three. So great shout there, gentlemen. Great shout. Um, let's wrap things up. So uh, I'll start with you, Nick. What, what's your prediction for the Wallab- Wallabies game this weekend against Scotland? I think it's time to break the duck against the Scots. And I think this team, I mean, obviously we are, we're still a little way away in less than an hour. The squad will be named. uh, So we don't have the actual squad here, but uh, I think similar to, you know, the Wallaroos and their current and their current resurgence and the fact that they have come up against a lot of tough teams and are showing uh, being better for it. I think there is enough, from this Wallaby side, having come up against England, having come up against New Zealand, having come up against South Africa, having had to deal with resurgent Checker, Argentina, um, they have it in them to to start this this series off with a win. They are good enough. They are good enough to win this game, and I think they'll come. I reckon it'll be Wallabies by a converted try. Seven. Okay, Nathan. Yep, agreed. I think this is the time. Um, maybe go a bit more. I'll say Wallabies by 12. I think this is going to be a real kind of statement game just to get us on the right track. Yeah, I'm I'm not too sure. I'm a little bit worried. Um, I will wait and see what team we select first. But, I, yeah, I just hope we don't, uh, don't choke in this one. So I'll say it to be a close one, say Wallabies by three. Um, yeah, go with the heart there. Uh, Sheepy on YouTube also says, just waiting on ready to give Dempsey a last-minute call-up. Wouldn't that be a story? Wouldn't that be like warm-up for Scotland and then chuck on well, a, a Wallabies jersey talk. and you're, you're actually playing for us, mate. Uh, you, none just of just halfway, halfway through the game, just like throws the ball and all of a sudden just runs the other way, rips the shirt off and goes, <laughs> yeah, let's go. Wouldn't I was involved cool. the whole time. Wallabies jersey on. Uh, Wallabies jersey, Scotland sh- shorts and socks. It'd be the first time that's ever happened. I'll be so confused. <laughs> I love it. So would everyone. So would the ref. Uh, Simon says, "Sad to say, but he thinks Scotland by six. All right, let's uh, let's finishing let's finish things there. Thanks everyone for getting to this point of our multicast, our simulcast, whatever we're calling it. Um, simulcast. Yeah, both, I think that's what they call it. <laughs> both Nick and Nathan from the Drop Kickoff for joining me tonight for this. Um, for those, uh, we are sitting here to talk about the Wallaroos. So. We did finish things off with a little bit of Wallabies chat, but just remember that the Wallaroos are playing their uh, quarterfinal against England uh, Saturday, a Sunday morning, 11.30 kickoff in Sydney. So do get involved there. 
Um, thanks live, both live of you. Live on channel nine, guys. no excuse. No excuse. Live on, on channel, channel nine, nine on the live. main channel in New South Wales. Yeah, no. So no excuse. Get behind it. Get around. You it. heard it here first. On the main channel. Fantastic. Get behind the Wallaroos as they go up against uh, England in the quarterfinal. All right. Thanks, everyone. And we will catch you next time. Bye. But what did go wrong? I'll have to look look and think about it. Think about it deeply, very deeply. Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Sirly Bombo? Bit of genius, bit of magic. Sirly Bombo, very interesting, very good, yeah. Very good. Three cheers for Sirly Bombo. Very good, very good. <laughs>